chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20. And would you stand with me? We're going to think this evening about this third commandment, taking God's name in vain. What does that mean to take God's name in vain? <laughs> one, one time uh, we were, we were, uh, we rented a video. Our, our, it was a family video that uh, we thought, you know, that um, all of our kids were going to be able to see. And we took it home and we put it in our video and we were watching it. And uh, about, I don't know why they do this. You know, I'm a perfectly good story. does not need any cursing whatsoever in it to make the story. I mean, it's absolutely great. But right in the middle of it, um, the guy cursed. And uh, he used God's name, took God's name in vain, as a matter of fact. And um, I said, well, that's it. We're not going to watch the rest of it. And so I got up and I flipped off the video. And, and the kids said, you know, they were in this, it was a sort of a children's kind of a deal. Daddy, why are you doing that? And I said, because the guy, the guy, they're cursed. And I said, we're not going to watch this. There's cursing in it. And Beth, Tony's wife, who's sort of the prophet, you know, in our house, she said, I heard it. I said, I said, you did? She said, sure. She said, I heard him. He, he said, shut up. And we don't say that at our house. I said, I'm so glad that's what she heard and not the other. Well, uh, that's not necessarily taking God's name in vain, okay? Look with me at verse 7, Exodus chapter 20. If you're a guest this evening, we're on a journey through the book of Exodus. We are in the Ten Commandments. Sunday morning, I'm going to be uh, speaking on this fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It is one of the commandments that has an incredible uh, uh, appendix to it. In other words, he, he says, here are, these, here are these things that I want you to remember about the Sabbath and uh, probably a lot of things that maybe you and I have never thought about. And so I want to encourage you to be here for that. But look with me, if you will, please, at verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain... For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Father, I pray, thanking you for the wonderful testimony. Lord, I was just thinking about how uh, every year we encourage people to become involved in EE. And uh, how, Lord, the reason for that is that there is a city full of Karen Carlson's and others like her who so desperately need to hear the wonderful gospel uh, by which they could come to faith in Christ. So, Lord, I pray that tonight we'll be ever grateful for our salvation. Thank you for Karen's testimony. Lord, thank you for this word, and thank you that uh, as it is open to us tonight, Lord, that our hearts will be changed as we surrender to you and to your will in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, if you will, please. Exodus chapter 20. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now tonight we're going to look at three things. We're going to look first of all at an explanation. And in that portion of the message I simply want to explain what it means to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. And then there's a section of this message that's going to be called the illustration. And in that portion of this message, I'm going to give you some very simple illustrations of people and events uh, in which it's so obvious that they have taken the name 
of the Lord in vain. And then in the final portion of this message, we're going to look at the application. How does this apply to your life? How does this apply to my life? Explanation, illustration, application. That's what we're going to be looking at. So first of all, let's look at this portion called the explanation. What does it mean to take the name of the Lord your God in vain? Well, immediately, most of us have thoughts that run in this vein. We say, well, that means to use God when you curse, or maybe even to use a minced oath. When I was growing up, uh, I remember very distinctly standing on the back porch of our house in Fort Ice, Arkansas. My dad, who's seated right back here, he was a participant in this particular event, and I, um, I had a, uh, a gun that, uh, you know, we had made out in the shop that used uh, part of an inner tube, you know, it was a rubber band gun, and uh, I, you know, would shoot at things around, and so I shot up in the corner of the porch at a pretend bird, and I said, gosh, I got it. And boy, suddenly I was yanked off my feet, and I was dragged into the kitchen, and my dad took a bar of soap, and he just started wriggling that thing around in my mouth, and I was going, and when, I, when he finally, you know, took that out and I could take, I said, what are you doing? He said, we don't use minced oaths in our house. And I said, I thought he was talking about, you know, something for breakfast, minced toast. And I said, what are you, minced oaths, we don't use them in our house. And uh, I said, well, you know, what's that? He said, well, it's using a word as a substitute for another one, like gosh instead of God. And you can think of some of the others which people use as minced oaths. He said, we don't do that in our house. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then Dad coined this word. He says, if you, you know, if you want to say something, say ding busted or something like that. And so in our family, we say ding busted a lot, but we don't say gosh, I'll tell you that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes you can say ding busted and the hair on, on your head will quit growing and the grass will turn brown, but we don't say gosh, not at our house. No, no, we don't do that. But um, a, a minced oath, you know, or actually using God's, name in vain. But is that all that that means? Does God take one of the Ten Commandments, one-tenth of the Decalogue, simply as a warning that in a moment of irritation or in an attempt to try to prove somebody, we should not use his name as an expletive? Well, that, that's a little part of what this means, but that's not really the full explanation of taking the name of the Lord our God in vain. Now, let me explain this. In the Bible, as a matter of fact, in all Oriental culture, the name of a person is identified as the person. For instance, I can take you to some societies today where people, you ask somebody their name and they will not tell you their name unless they know you well or want to know you well because to give you their name is to give you a part of themselves. And so they won't, they won't use that name. Um, let's look in the New Testament, for instance. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Does that mean that you believe on L-O-R-D-J-E-S-U-S-C-H-R-I-S-T? Those words, that if you believe in those words, that nomenclature that you're going to be saved? No, that means you believe in the person of Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. 
These things are written unto you who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you may know that you have eternal life. Who knows? There are the people who say, oh yeah, I believe there was a J-E-S-U-S sometime in history. No, it means that there is a specific person, Jesus, and you are trusting in him. And by him you are saved. So when it says name, that means the person. Now, of course, taking the name of the Lord in, in vain by means of an expletive uh, is certainly taking him lightly, but it's more than that. The word there that is translated vain is a word which means lightly or irreverently or indiscriminately or without thought, literally, without, without thinking of it in a thoughtless or a careless fashion. And so to take the name of the Lord our God in vain, certainly it would include cursing, but it means that we so lightly consider God, the reality of God, God as a person that we would curse. But it means more than that. It means that we, we have a... Well, how do I put it? We, we have a tendency here, we have such little regard for God that for all practical purposes, our behavior is godless. It is as if we are not bought by, belong to, saved by, given purpose by God. And so for all practical purposes, our lives are godless. Now, if I were to go around this auditorium and take a poll this evening and, you know, stick a microphone up underneath your, your uh, mouth there like we did Karen a while ago and say, are you a godless person? You'd say, no, man, I am not a godless person. But let me ask it in a different fashion. Have you lived the bulk of this day in a manner that by for all practical purposes ignored God. As a matter of fact, let me ask it this way. Have you lived this day in such a fashion that there, up until this moment when you're sitting in church, that there has been no practical difference between your life and the life of a person who has never trusted Jesus as Savior? Well, let me, let me ask it a little bit different. Do you go through some days every week where you get up and you dress, and you eat breakfast, and you go to work, and you work all day, and you come home, and you plop down in front of the TV or mow the lawn and go to bed, and for all practical purposes, God has been the last person on your mind all day. Well, let me put it to you a little bit different. When you're asking the blessing on your food, if you do that, and you should, wherever you are, but let's suppose you, you were at a lunch today with some friends, and you said, well, let's pray. And you prayed a prayer asking God's blessing on the food. Did you really think about God? Or did you just say a blessing? Did you just say a prayer? Or we just pray blessing on this food, bless our conversation, help us bless all those who must honor and do the privilege to pray for our leaders, guys, direct us. Amen. Did you just say a prayer or did you really think of God? 
You see, taking the name of the Lord your God in vain, yeah, you know, it's, it's really careless and it's certainly taking his name to use God as part of an expletive. I mean, that's really stupid and low. But you see, it means more than that. It means to regard God lightly. To live a life that, although you profess to be a Christian and everything else, to be, live a life that is God-less. Let, let me slip down in some illustrations. We've already gotten there just a little bit, but um, let, let me just give you some illustrations of this. I've, I've mentioned cursing, so we won't talk about cursing. Uh, we could talk about refusing to trust Jesus as your Savior. You know, you can, you can come to church and you can hold on to the back of the pew and you cannot go forward and, and uh, you can go through your whole life and be a very good church-going person but never repent of sin and trust in Jesus alone. Well, you are a godless person and you'll go to hell. Um, prayerless lives are evidence of taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. The refusal to systematically, daily, consistently spend time in the Word of God is evidence that you're taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. A lost sense of God consciousness. You know, the great tragedy of this whole Supreme Court ruling on the Ten Commandments in the classrooms and the prayer in the classrooms, the great tragedy is that they ever came up because basically it is one more step in creating a society in which there is a lost sense of God consciousness. And if you lose a sense of God's consciousness, then people do things for one of two reasons. Either it is to their personal advantage or you've got more power or force than they do. And so you put that into the classroom where I only obey you if it's logical to obey you or if you can clobber me if I don't. And you'll have what we have in our nation. You'll have what you have on the highway. You'll have what you have in the workplace, a lost sense of God consciousness. And that's not painting all schoolrooms, classrooms. We have teachers in our church who do everything that is legally possible to bring a testimony of God in the classroom. I praise God for it. They're as strong a missionary as a missionary. But you know what I'm saying? In a, in a society, in classrooms, this lost sense of God, this idea that we're doing what we're doing and, hey, God is not part of this. God is not in this. God's not around this. God's not to be spoken of. God's not to be mentioned. Don't offend me by talking about God. Well... That's taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. Well, let me give you another illustration. The failure to see yourself as one day being ultimately accountable to God is taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. Thinking, for instance, maybe, maybe I could put it this way, thinking that, uh, that you really can get away with something. Are there some things that you do that God doesn't see, some places you go that God doesn't know, some thoughts you think that God is not aware of, some motives in your heart that, you know, God just doesn't understand? That's all taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. And the idea that, that in some areas of your life you're sort of getting by with stuff, that you're pulling the wool over God's eyes and you won't give an account for it, that's taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. 
don't, don't miss this commandment by thinking that it's relegated to cursing. That's part of it, but that's not... You know, God just wasn't saying, listen, children of Israel, you can use all kinds of words when you curse, just don't use mine or you'll be in a heap of trouble. No, he's saying, don't take me lightly. As a matter of fact, listen to the previous commandments. You shall have no other God before you. You must not make a graven image. Don't take me lightly. That's what he's saying. It's sort of, sort of like, um, I got on a plane one day, and um, it was early morning flight some time ago, and some of them get real early. This last Tuesday morning, I, I woke up about 3.30, your time, in Manassas, Virginia. That's Washington, D.C. area. That was the day before yesterday, I think. And I was going to catch a plane, leave at 5 o'clock, you know. So when people are... When people are uh, you know, getting on airplanes early in the morning, you, you, you see a side of people that you, you know, that they don't sometimes want you to see. So I got on a plane real early one morning, got a plane here in town, and obviously the guy that was on the plane sitting across from me had flown into town the night before for a business uh, deal, and he's on the plane. And... Um, I, I looked at him as he sat over there. I thought, you know, he's probably going home. And I thought, no, he's not married. He doesn't have a ring on. But then I noticed that he had a, uh, that he had a, you know, an indented place in his finger and a place that wasn't tanned by the sun on his finger. I thought, this guy's, well, maybe he's gone through a divorce or something. And then I noticed him as the plane was taking off. He starts fumbling around, looking in his pockets like that, looking around. Then I noticed, you know, him slip the ring on his finger. See, what he had done, he had spent a night in Oklahoma City, you know, if you just sort of read between the lines. He's spent a night in Oklahoma with a lost sense of marriage, lost wife consciousness, lost child, children consciousness, you see. And now he's going to go back and, and be conscious of wife and kids, you know. <sighs> See what it means to take the name of the Lord your God in vain? It means to live like God's not there. Or to talk about God like he's a nobody. To, to, use, to use his name in such a way that, that, that it punctuates your expletives. Or just not to use his name, just not to think about him, just to go today and tomorrow and the next day and not even get around to really praying or really reading the Bible or really caring. Well, let's, let's get quickly to this section called application, okay? How does this apply? Notice what he says here. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, I hope you'll hear what the Scripture is saying here. And I'm, 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 I'm praying that God's Holy Spirit will give you the grace to receive what I'm desperately trying to help us see tonight. It is this. What you think of God 
has absolutely nothing to do with who he is. Your opinion, my opinion of God, the place in our heart we relegate to God has absolutely no effect on who he is. Your view of God doesn't change God. If you think that God's little, that doesn't mean God suddenly becomes little. If you think that God's weak, that doesn't mean God suddenly became weak. If you think that you can drag God in as a, as, a, as a punctuation to your sentence, that doesn't mean that God has suddenly become a, a part of grammar. Your view of God doesn't change who God is. Your view of God doesn't change the fact that he is the righteous God who judges, and your view of God, whatever you think of it, doesn't change the fact that you're going to be held accountable. The Bible says that for the believer in Christ, now for the unbeliever, there's that obvious great white throne judgment and having a name that is not written in the Lamb's book of life, judged by his works, spending eternity in hell because by the deeds of the flesh no man is justified. But for those who are believers here tonight, there is a judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. And there we will render up an account not as a way of getting into heaven if we've done good enough, but render up an account as blood-bought children of God for what we did with what he gave us, how we treated him, how we treated his commission, how we treated others in the light of our own salvation. And our works, including our language, will be tried. The Bible says, you know, Jesus, as a matter of fact, said there's one of these days when, when every thought, everything that we thought, said, did, even in secret, will be made known. Our works will be tried, whether gold, silver, precious stones, or wood and hay and stubble. And the Scripture says God's not going to hold us guiltless. Anyone who takes his name in vain, who just considers God to be Oh, you know, the old guy over here. Oh, an entity that I can't see and therefore I can joke and laugh and ignore. So the application is this. God is not a figment of your imagination. That's what we learned on Sunday night. So that therefore it's stupid to make a graven image of him because you cannot imagine all that God is. But neither is God changed by any opinion poll including your own. He is a righteous, holy God to whom every one of us in this auditorium will one day give an account. Most people don't believe that. Most people remember the, the advertisement that says, don't mess with Mother Nature as if Mother Nature was the biggest force with which we had to deal. Let me just tell you something. One day, each of us sitting here tonight, this man standing here, one at a time, will give an account for our lives. Having believed in Christ, saved by grace, what do we miss? 
We miss all those rewards God would give to his children. You say, well, I can do without those. Oh, wouldn't you want those crowns to lay down at his feet? Wouldn't you want those trophies to lay down at the one, feet of the one who saved you? Don't take God lightly. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will drive the truth of this message home to our hearts tonight. And Lord, I pray that we would not be people who saved live godless lives, a lost sense of God consciousness. Father, may we not take your name in vain. And now, Father, as we come to this invitation time, I pray your Holy Spirit will, will reach deep down into our hearts and probe us, Lord, and our, help us to see there's nothing hidden from you. There's nothing at all. The, the, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, we read in the Scripture. Uh, we read in the Scripture that you ponder the path of every man, that, you, that, that the ways of a man are before the eyes of a Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to know that you're looking right down in our heart. You know what's true about us, and we know what we're attempting to make others, including yourself, believe about us. And so, Father, I pray that at this moment we'd come to a time of repentance and faith. And I pray it in Jesus' name. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me just say that we're going to stand in a few moments, and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. This is your invitation to come to Christ. It could be. That what you need more than anything else is just simply to come to this altar and say, Lord, you know, I've been living my days like you weren't there. I mean, I could go through a whole day without praying, without witnessing, without reading the Bible. I'd go through that whole day and without you being there, and, and, and it wouldn't change much. Oh, it would be better if I did, but, you know, it's not too bad if I don't. And maybe you just need to come and kneel at this altar and say, Lord, I don't want to take you lightly. You may want to come as a family, as a couple, as an individual. I believe there are people here to whom the Lord's speaking about trusting Jesus as your Savior. You realize that we are going to give an account, and all of us are sinners, and the wages of sin is death. But the Bible says there's a gift you can have if you will repent of sin and receive it by faith. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He paid sin's wage on the cross. The wage of sin is death. He died for you and for me. He's risen from the grave. He is alive now. And he will give you eternal life if you will repent of sin and trust in him. And I want to encourage you to come simply and take the hand of a counselor and say to that counselor, look, I'm trusting Jesus tonight. I'm trusting Jesus tonight. It could be that God's spoken to your heart about joining this church. Wouldn't this be wonderful? For you to just step to the aisle, come find a counselor and say, look, I'm joining, we're joining. I want to become a part of this church family tonight. Maybe you've just moved to the community. Maybe you've been looking for a church home. Maybe you've been visiting for a long time. Maybe you're here tonight for the first time. Want to join this church? Could be you've joined in recent weeks and we haven't for some reason introduced you yet. Well, come be seated over here to your right where it says seating for new members. This is your invitation. Now, what's God speaking to your heart? Well, what's the lesson of this message? If God's speaking to your heart and saying, this is what you ought to do and you don't do it, what have you just done? Well, you say, ah, oh, it's disobedience. Well, no. That's taking the name of the Lord your God in vain, taking God lightly. Lord, I don't have to do what you say. I'll accommodate you at a later date. I urge you. See, that's why the Scripture says, if a man knows what is right and does it not, to him it is sin. You know what's right to do? 
just do it right now. Let's stand together, Father in heaven. I pray trusting that your Holy Spirit now will bring people to this altar to say yes to what you've spoken to our hearts and lives. And I pray it in Jesus' name. The Ron Dunn Podcast is available only for personal edification, not to be duplicated, uploaded to the web, or resold without prior written consent. It is managed and operated by Sherwood Baptist Church. If you would like to listen to additional Ron Dunn messages, visit SherwoodBaptist.net slash bookstore and search Ron Dunn. For more Ron Dunn materials, including sermon outlines, devotions, and scanned pages from a study Bible, please visit RonDunn.com.